Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Hi everyone, it's producer Rob here, just with a quick message before you listen to this episode of the Witch Money podcast. Just to let you know that the episode was recorded before the Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, announced on October the 3rd that the government would no longer be going forward with plans to abolish that 45p top tax rate. So this episode recorded before that announcement came through from the Chancellor. Now you know that, I can hand you over to Lucia and this week's episode. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Certainly when Trust was talking today on the radio, there was no sign of a reversal. And she is heading a party whose most famous leader coined the phrase, the ladies not for turning. I think it's fair to say, you know, we think what we're seeing at the moment is the tip of the iceberg. Really, the the kind of full financial impact of this isn't really going to start hitting people until probably Q4 this year. History kind of shows us in the long term, things do even out. So prices up 10% in the last year. If they go down 10%, I'm not saying they will. In the next year, they'll be where they were a year ago. This week, we're taking a look at the money market's reaction to Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng's mini-budget and what it could mean for your money. You might remember last week, we released our episode later than usual to bring you up to speed with all the announcements. But as you'll have seen in the news over the last few days, there has been a series of huge consequences following the shift in economic policy. So to bring us news on how the latest will affect us and to talk about what could come next, I'm joined once again by the deputy editor of Which Money magazine, Sam Richardson, and which journalist and expert in consumer rights and property, Stephen Maunder. Hello both. Morning, Lucia. What a week it's been. Hasn't it? Hi, guys. Well, can we start then? Sam, you joined us on last week's episode to explain the Chancellor's new financial strategy, now a week on, and the money markets are frankly in turmoil. Um, Can you give us an overview of what's happened since? Yeah, there's so much to discuss. We're going to have to go day by day, but I'll try to keep it moving. Um, So the budget was announced on Friday, of course, and on Thursday, one pound was worth $1.13. But by Friday, almost as soon as that budget was announced, it went below $1.09, which is the lowest level the pound has been against the dollar since 1985. Mm. Uh, And Larry Summers, the former US Treasury Secretary, slammed the fiscal statement. And he said it made the UK appear a bit like an emerging market, turning itself into a submerging market, mm. uh, which is fairly critical. Uh, so then we had the weekend. Foreign exchange markets, where pounds are traded against dollars, aren't open on weekends, so very little happened. And on Monday, when the markets reopened, the pound plummeted 
at one point it was trading below $1.04. And that's when we began to see lenders withdraw mortgage offers, including Halifax, which withdrew a number of its products, blaming significant changes in the cost of funding. We'll get to that later. The Bank of England said it would have no hesitation raising interest rates, but it ruled out an emergency meeting, which means we're looking like we're going to have to wait until November the 3rd to get a decision on interest rates, which will likely involve interest rates going up. But again, more on that later. The Chancellor promised a medium term fiscal plan, but not until November the 23rd. So evidently, investors were not convinced, and nor was the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. On Tuesday, it warned that tax cuts will likely increase inequality, and it called on the Chancellor to use the budget on the, November the 23rd to provide support that's more targeted and reevaluate the tax measures. Pretty strong messaging there from the IMF. On Wednesday, with the pound continuing to fall, the Bank of England stepped in, saying it would buy UK government bonds, which are known as gilts, on whatever scale necessary to stop them continuing to fall and to calm markets. And it since turned out it did this because many UK pension funds, which invest in government bonds because they're usually so stable, had come close to collapse. Today, Liz Truss appears to be talking to local radio stations, trying to reassure people. But the markets don't seem that reassured because the pound was $1.08 the last time I looked. Mm. Crikey, what a week it has been. Well, we should say that the the Chancellor responded earlier this week saying he is, and I quote, confident in our long-term strategy to drive economic growth through tax cuts and supply-side reform. Sam, before we talk more about the base rate mortgages and rates, what did the Chancellor mean by this? So supply-side reforms are policy decisions introduced in order to make particular markets and industries more efficient and productive. Specifically, the Chancellor says this will involve changes to the planning system, business regulations, childcare, immigration, agricultural productivity and digital infrastructure. Basically, this comes from right wing thinking that the government should get out of the way of businesses, such as by cutting taxes and regulation. The businesses will then produce more goods and services and hopefully drive up demand and the wider economy. Then the government, in theory, will actually make more money in taxes, even though rates are low because the economy is so strong. But this is all in theory. There's no guarantee this will happen. And it's worth stating here that regulation is important for a functioning economy, and they're particularly important for consumers. Indeed, which has been fighting for regulations to protect consumers and ensure businesses play fair pretty much since we began. So let's get on to the base rate then and the sharply rising interest rates we've been seeing over the last week. Last week, then, it increased by 0.5 percentage points to 2.25%. But you've since then likely heard the news that more hikes could be on the way. The Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey said on Monday they could be near an eye-watering 6% by April next year. Sam, why have they responded like this? So, Lucia, the Bank of England's main objective is to control inflation. In theory, it's trying to keep its 2%, but of course, in August, it was already close to 10%, and they expect it to go above that. Mm. You know, inflation has been the buzzword of this year. It's been on this pod many, many times. Inflation makes everything more expensive. It's entwined with the cost of living, and it's also entwined with the value of the pound. So currency traders fear that tax cuts will encourage people to spend more, which increases inflation, whilst leaving the government to borrow more because it's making less in taxes. 
both of these things put traders off buying pounds and also put them off buying government debt, which, as we explained earlier, is known as gilts. So raising the base rate, i.e. interest rates, makes borrowing more expensive, which should, in theory, encourage saving and reduce how much people spend overall, which should push inflation down, which should help with the cost of living crisis. But of course, it takes time and it's rarely quite so simple. And of course, in reality, it could mean higher fees for those paying back a loan. And for many of us, our biggest loan and biggest concern will be our mortgage. Steve, it's been a tumultuous week for the mortgage market, hasn't it? Uh, it certainly has. Yeah, a tumultuous week for homeowners coming up to remortgage, for mm. buyers in the process of moving house, and for property journalists who have have seen a, a topic that sometimes a little bit unloved, suddenly become the top news story in the country. And the reason for that is ultimately mortgages have just been disappearing. So between Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, more than 900 mortgages were withdrawn from the market. And it has stabilised a little. I crunched the numbers this morning and we've lost around 100 mortgages Wednesday night into Thursday, but it's, it's still dropping basically. And Ultimately, what this means is if you're about to remortgage, not only will you face paying a higher rate than before, but you might actually find it harder to get a deal than you would have done previously. It's also obviously hugely concerning for people who are currently applying for a mortgage to buy a home, because although theoretically, if you're already in the process of applying for a mortgage and it being granted, you shouldn't be affected. Obviously, there, there is still a chance that something could go wrong with it. Ultimately, the, the reason why we've had this kind of mortgage crisis is essentially overnight, banks found that it's going to cost them a lot more to borrow the money that they then loan out to consumers. And if there's one thing that mortgage lenders don't like, it's uncertainty. So they're prepared for the base rate announcements that happen eight times a year. They have a good idea of my, what, what might happen in the next base rate announcement. But then when all of a sudden there's the huge crash in the pound results in the prospect of emergency interest rate hikes, higher interest rate hikes than before, lenders get a little bit nervous. And it only takes a couple. Sam mentioned earlier Halifax. We've had Halifax, Virgin, um, a lot of the biggest lenders have started pulling their ranges. And once they do that, the smaller lenders pull their ranges. And we basically end up with far, far fewer options for homeowners and home buyers. So, you know, we've seen hundreds of deals disappearing this week. What are we left with? What kind of rates are out there right now? Wow, that, that's, that's a great question because anything I tell you now could be completely different by the time we even publish this podcast, let alone anyone mm, listens to it. Gosh. But um, right now, the very cheapest mortgages are priced around 4%, uh, maybe a little bit above 4%. Mm. And the most kind of sort of shocking way I can describe it is that less than a year ago, these mortgages were priced at less than 1%. So we were down to historic lows of about 08 Mm. And now we're above 4%, even for the people with the biggest deposits. What, what's what been really um, kind of unprecedented, I've never seen it in the years I've been um, covering this patch, is that five-year fixes are actually now cheaper than two-year fixes because banks are so nervous about what's going to happen in the short term that they don't really want to give you a two-year fix at all. And what we've also seen is because the 
the floor has fallen out of the market for people with big deposits. So people who could want to get one or two percent are now paying four. The whole market has contracted. So the gap between a mortgage with a 40% deposit and a mortgage with a 5% deposit might have been around 1.5% a year ago. It's now around about half a percent. So there's very little to choose in any deals. And to be honest, no one wants to be the market leader when everyone's withdrawing deals from the market. Oh, it's such a tricky one. But Steve, uh, for anyone in in the position of of getting a new mortgage uh, or remortgaging at the moment, what is your advice? Should they fix? I think if you're on a variable rate mortgage, such as a tracker or a standard variable rate, um, if you can fix, fix as soon as possible. Um, If you are in a fixed term, then it depends where you are. If, If you're in the last six months of your fixed term, then you can lock in a rate now and Mm. we would recommend doing that because all indications is they're going to get higher. But if you're not in the last six months, then you might be better um, staying still and not doing anything because it may cost you more to fix your mortgage early in early repayment charges than the saving would be than if you just waited, say if it's a year or so till your fixed term comes up. I think the thing that, that we would say to everyone really, because we can't update our own figures enough, you know, I'm updating them every day and I still can't do them quickly enough. So what we would say is like really just get on the phone to a broker. A broker will be able to give you up to the minute advice on what you can get. Thanks, Steve. Well, if the base rate and interest rates do keep rising as predicted right now, it could mean many people simply can't pay their mortgage. And of course, this is coming at a time when bills are already through the roof. Now, we've been speaking to Jane Tully, the Director of External Affairs and Partnerships at the Money Advice Trust, the charity that runs National Deadline and Business Deadline. Here she is telling us about the phone calls the organisation is receiving at the moment. Yeah, so it's been a really busy year for us this year. In the first half of the year, our calls were up 46% um, on what they were in the previous year. And we've seen those trends kind of continue right across the summer. Um, I think some of it is, is, you know, people being concerned about their future finances. Some of it is people contacting us about um, bills and debts that they already have. And I think it's fair to say, you know, we think what we're seeing at the moment is the tip of the iceberg. Really, the the kind of full financial impact of this isn't really going to start hitting people until probably Q4 this year. What we've seen over the last couple of days, I think, has has definitely raised alarm bells, though. Um, You know, mortgage costs, that is the one area that really puts pressure on households. And even if someone is a renter, you know, there's a possibility that the landlord holds a mortgage. And in order for him to fulfill his mortgage repayments, he needs to to put up the rent at some point later in the year so the impact of that on the people that we see and we think the people that we're likely to see um, in the future is really is really quite significant I think I think I read somewhere the other day it's the seventh increase in rates we've seen since December 2021 Um, and that's all filtering through to 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 the the mortgage cost that people have to repay and if it's that extra 100 or 200 or 300 pounds a month or whatever it might go up to over the next few months ahead it's it's really going to squeeze the margins of of the budgets of people who are I think on all incomes but particularly those on lower incomes. We should say we've also got loads of advice uh, over on the Witch website for anyone who finds themselves in a difficult financial situation. Sam, what advice can you give anyone in this position and, and where can they turn to for help? Uh, there's quite a few places. And for once, you know, we can give really direct answers here. You know, no maybes. 
um, know will have to seize. So if you're struggling to pay your mortgage bills or worried that you soon will struggle, talk to your lender. So the lender could offer you a variety of things, including a holiday from your payments, uh, temporary payment arrangements. They could lengthen the term of the mortgage, which would reduce the monthly repayment, or they could switch you temporarily to interest only repayments. What they do will depend on your individual circumstances. But I would really recommend picking up the phones to lenders. Lenders don't want to see you get in financial trouble. They don't want to repossess your home. It's expensive for them and it looks bad. But it is important that you reach out early before you really get yourself into trouble and start missing payments. If you're already missing payments and you've got other debt issues, perhaps you know, credit card debt, personal loan debt, we recommend reaching out to a debt charity such as Step Change or National Debtline. They can work with you and the companies you owe money to and can't with a plan to pay off the money whilst leaving you enough money to live on. I would very much recommend Step Change and National Debtline because there are commercial providers out there. They're not necessarily acting in your best interests. And if you want to mull over your options and need some more information, you can find it on which.co.uk. We've got all sorts of advice on mortgages, debt, uh, pensions, etc. Hugely important advice there, Sam. Well, let's get back to the money market shakeup this week and the pound slumping to an all-time low against the dollar on Monday, as Sam explained earlier. Steve, can you talk us through some of the consequences of a weaker currency? Well, there's a lot of a lot of things coming into play with this type of thing. I think there's kind of there's there's more kind of certain factors. So things like a fall in the value of a pound against other currencies means it costs more for the goods and services we import from other country from other countries and firms could then pass that those high prices on to consumers which means your bills will get more expensive that can be the case with things like oil prices which are based on the dollar so drivers could find that at a time when fuel prices have finally been coming down they could start going back up again but i think there are also more kind of issues with perception so Economic uncertainty affects everything from lenders we've seen with mortgages this week, right the way through to spenders, consumers like you and I. So if the pound is worth less, your trip abroad's more expensive if you want to change your money into a foreign currency. That might put you off going abroad at all, which means that's more money out of the economy. And I think all of this is... It's quite hard to quantify, as Sam was explaining earlier, about the pound being worth one thirteen to the dollar one day and one pound eight to the dollar the next day. But it creates a climate of just uncertainty for everyone, be that lenders, huge financial institutions, right the way down to you or I. And Steve, with all the market turmoil over the last week, experts are also warning we could see a big decrease in house prices. Now, while I was researching for the show yesterday, I saw a live update on The Guardian saying that they could drop by as much as 15%. Steve, how are they they looking right now? And do you think a big slump is on the horizon? Wow, that's a very loaded question. Um, I think uh, it's quite difficult to say how house prices are doing in a very up-to-date manner because the official data we get from the land registry is always a couple of months behind. So it doesn't completely reflect market sentiment. We get more up-to-date figures from companies like Rightmove who keep an eye on house purchases, properties going onto the market almost on a daily basis. And the sentiment at the moment seems to be that people were quite buoyed by the idea of a stamp duty cut last week. So 
the stamp duty thresholds were raised to from 125 to 250,000. And what that meant is some buyers could save on tax when buying the property. Now, that has more than been tempered a week later by the mortgage sort of crisis that has happened this week with lenders withdrawing deals. But the truth is nobody really knows what effect this will have on house prices. So a couple of months ago, the biggest banks, property portals, were kind of predicting flatter growth next year, or in some cases, no growth at all. But I would expect that in the current scenario to be revised down over the next couple of months quite significantly because ultimately with the cost of living going up people will be less prepared to move home and with mortgages becoming more expensive people will won't be able to afford to move home in some cases so they may put that off leave it for another year or two and that could have downward pressure on the market now we've seen all sorts of figures over the last um couple of days as you say, the 15% drop has been mooted. I think I saw a debate on Twitter about what would constitute a house price crash. And some people are saying, well, a 20% drop could constitute a crash. But a 15 or 20% drop would only take us to where prices were two or three years ago because house prices have risen so significantly in the last couple of years. So I think what, what I would say is, if, if you're reading the headlines this week, don't pay too much attention to those massive figures you're seeing because that that can be quite scary if you're a homeowner especially if you've only bought a home recently if you've bought a home at a high point in the market and prices drop a little then that could cause you a bit of concern so what i would say is when it comes to house prices you're better thinking about the long term and history kind of shows us in the long term things do even out so prices up 10 percent in the last year if they go down 10%, I'm not saying they will, in the next year, they'll be where they were a year ago. This is the kind of thing that you need to think about when you're worrying about buying or selling a home. Well, let's hear from one of these online property sites. For more on what this might mean for the market, we've also been chatting to Richard Donnell, Executive Director at Zoopla. So the housing market has been pretty resilient. Um, in fact, house price growth is, has been really resilient. You know, most indices are measuring eight to ten percent year-on-year growth. A lot of that's been driven off the back of the pandemic, which still continue continues to stimulate people to move. The cost of living crisis could get more people moving, uh, but clearly you can't ignore this hit to buying power that we're going to see over the Q4. And much really depends on you know just what is the trajectory of mortgage rates over 2023. Um, we know they've gone from 2% at the beginning of this year to 4% now, looking like they're going to 5% uh, pretty shortly. Um, and it really, the outlook really depends on whether rates stay at 5% throughout the whole of 2023 or how quickly they come down. Um, some work we've been doing showed that we thought the housing market wouldn't register price falls if mortgage rates stopped at 4%. We thought 5% was more of a tipping point uh, between potentially prices dipping into slightly negative territory. Um, and it really depends how long that lasts, because if rates spike higher, but then start to come down later this year into early into next year, uh, that will ease some of the pressure. And we'd just see house price growth slow to maybe zero percent. I think, you know, absolutely the housing market and house price growth is going to slow a lot. There might be some localized price falls here or there, uh, but it all depends on on how long mortgage rates might stay at those high levels. And the pressure might come up quite quickly if more, the outlook for mortgage rates means we get back to 4% more quickly in 2023. 
And on mortgage rates, here are Richard's thoughts on whether they'll come down anytime soon. Yes, I mean, the, the chart of how the cost of money has gone up is, you know, looks like a, a rocket taking off towards the moon. I mean, it's sort of uh, charts like that tend to have a habit of probably not staying where they are or going even higher. They, they will come back down. I think, look, it all hinges on the outlook for inflation. You know, the reason rates are going up across the board, um, across the globe, is to control inflation. That's the number, number one priority of central banks. Um, you know, I think the Bank of England has moved. Money markets are now moving. This is going to have an impact on consumption, on consumers' decisions, not just about the housing market, but what they spend on their shops, how they allocate their spending more generally, um, notwithstanding, you know, the move on the you know, capping energy price bills for, for homeowners. So you've got to hope that the sort of level of inflation starts to come back uh, downwards uh, relatively quickly. I think the Bank of England forecast was it would be early earlier than they thought in 2023. And as soon as sentiment starts to shift on inflation, uh, then you would hope that the sentiment starts to shift on on where money's being priced in the money markets, which is what banks need to access to then pass on to us as mortgagees. So, yes, you'd hope it would come down. But again, you know, markets are volatile. So uh, there's hope that things will start to calm down uh, in the next quarter. While we're on property, if you are looking to get a mortgage or remortgage, we'll put a link uh, to our advice guide in the description of this episode. And now, where might we go from here? Well, the International Monetary Fund recently said they'd advise against the kind of economic policy announced by the Chancellor. So, Sam, could we see a U-turn? We could see a U-turn. The government could just withdraw many of the tax cuts they've announced, uh, many of which wouldn't have come in force until April next year anyway. This could involve Liz Truss sacking Quasi Quarteng, although markets are fully aware that, you know, his plan was very much Truss's ideology as well. We could see no U-turn, but instead an announcement of spending cuts, what we used to refer to as austerity, in order to balance the books. So this could reassure markets because they're very concerned about government debt, but it would also infuriate voters who are facing a really hard winter ahead. So it's worth remembering here that, you know, Truss only started as prime minister very recently and she has 12 months in place before anyone in the Tory party can formally challenge her. And we may not see an election until 2024. So that would mean the Bank of England would essentially have to do their best to keep the economy running until then. Certainly when Truss was talking today on the radio, there was no sign of a reversal. And she is heading a party whose most famous leader coined the phrase the ladies not for turning. <laughs> so as is so often the case, uh, this is very much not the end of the story because on the 23rd of November, we'll, we'll see what's being dubbed as a medium term fiscal plan. So what can we expect from this? I mean, honestly, Lucia, I'm having to get the crystal ball out for this one. <laughs> November the 23rd seems years away at the moment. So any prediction should be taken with a of salt. Uh, However, so far, we've seen tax cuts. We haven't seen those other things you see in the budget, including we haven't seen announcements of necessarily more public spending on institutions such as the NHS. And we haven't seen the reverse talk about cutbacks in public services. So it's very possible we would see both of these. Given investors believe the government is taking on too much debt, and the government appears you know, ideologically attached to these tax cuts. They really think that these will drive the economy. It does seem that cutbacks on public spending 
in order to balance the books would appear more likely. These may not directly impact your wallet in the near term, but they could impact public health, crime, you know, other areas that do ultimately impact our finances. Thank you so much to Steve and Sam for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded, produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Grace Witherden. Mm-hmm.